<laughs> so uh, I had a, an interesting experience yesterday. Um, I really, really like bats. They're like one of my favorite animals. Is that yes. weird? Yeah. No, that's not weird. You're a fire. It's kind of weird. <laughs> okay. I, I like for people to be honest. <laughs> so anyway, the, it, last <laughs> night was like, it's been the coldest night of the year. It was like nine degrees or something. And I go outside to get a piece of wood for my fire and this huge black bat like flies in front of my door and lands on the shed roof. And I'm like, oh, how cute, poor guy, he's so cold. So I go back out later to get another piece of wood and he was gone. And I was like, you know, if I was a bat, I would be curled up in the in this big pile of wood, staying warm. So I go over, I had gloves on, I go over, I pick up a piece of wood and then heard the most terrifying screech I have ever heard in my life. Have you ever heard a bat hiss and screech at the same time? No. Not in person. I can't reproduce it. it it's physically impossible, but there is I a want video. You to. <laughs> <laughs> There's a video on YouTube that shows this bat, and it's not the little brown bat. It is the silver-haired bat. And in the video, he's, he's screaming so loud. Of course, it's ultrasonic. It, it makes the phone, that makes the... Um, speaker on the guy's phone who's recording the bat it makes the speaker pop because wow. it's so shrill so that i go out i pick up the piece of wood and i hear this sound this hissing screeching and i know it sounds dumb but it is the it was so disoriented i was like oh what just happened where am i what is going on and he did it twice and then the second time i thought he was on me so it's nine degrees outside. I threw the piece of wood. I'm standing outside in the snow, not moving because I thought the bat was on me. Uh, and so you didn't want to bring it in the house and like have it as your pet? I would love to, but he really was not in the mood. <laughs> we really need an impression. We really need to hear what it sounds like. I know. So, oh. Give us <laughs> Oh boy. Hold on. Hold on. My tea's done. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I've discovered, Charlotte? You don't like bats. You psychologically, deep down, I think we've discovered you just are really in love with Batman and you're waiting for the bat to turn into Batman. Because <laughs> Batman yeah. was afraid of bats, too. Yeah, I, but I think you're getting confused with Batman and Dracula. Batman was <laughs> turned into a bat. Do <laughs> you love Dracula? No, no, no. Not not a fan of Dracula. Have always been a fan of Batman. You're correct, Lauren. <laughs> but Batman, not none of them. Like Michael Keaton, Christian Bale. I don't even think Ben Affleck ever made that noise. <laughs> Adam West? Yeah. Adam West made that noise. Just, just, he might have, yeah. Just doing the impersonation, like I think I had an aneurysm. Like it gave me a headache. <laughs> George, George Clooney made that noise. He definitely made that noise, especially because of the suit that he was wearing. Yes. <laughs> well, Zach sent us a picture in the group chat of, of what he what he thought it might have looked like. Uh, it's a bat holding a guitar, and that bat is being held in a big hand. <laughs> that, was, that was a couple years finger. ago. That was my uh, FOM picture. That was the, the album, that was the album cover. Yeah, your album songs. cover. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Was, I, I was so proud of it. That's almost as metal as that Molly Hatchet. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but see, okay, so he, that's a little brown bat. Like, that's their actual official name. And he's really super really? cute. And the, the, yeah, the silver haired bats are a little bit more aggressive. Distinguished. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, see, now, well, Josh, you should know. You were just showing us your one single silver hair well, on your head. Yeah, I thought I had one silver hair, and then Zach saw two more, so I'm practically a grandfather now. Uh, I will be spending the rest of my days in a rocking chair, yelling at kids to get off my yard. The rest of the days? And Isn't that how you've spent them all up until this point? None of my chairs rock, unfortunately. And he doesn't currently own a yard. And I don't have any yard to yell at. I'll have to yell at people for getting off of the parking lot that they have every right to be on. I saw some dogs little. pooping on it today. I was going to go say, hey, your dogs are pooping in the parking the lot. Time, really, you know, you really but where else are they going to poop? There's snow everywhere. You have to pick it up afterwards. He's a responsible dog owner. Right. Welcome to Don't Drink the Tea. Now you're the Christie podcast where Charlotte gets attacked by bats and we learn a little bit more about her crush on George Clooney. I'm Josh. 
I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And we have two special guests with us returning to the Megadome. It's Lauren and Aaron. Woo! Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back. Oh, thanks for having us back. We, we didn't know if uh, it was going to happen after the, the last time. <laughs> but we're, we're glad to be back. We're glad you're giving us a second chance. What happened last time? <laughs> yeah, really? Well, I thought it was good. I thought it was. I, uh, I, I had a really good time, so I'm glad to be back. <laughs> I thought I thought it was good too. I just assumed something happened, and then Josh started calling you Weasel. <laughs> <laughs> that has nothing to do with your performance on the podcast. That was I mean, a separate be, incident. <laughs> yeah, I'll be professional with you here, but as soon as we're done, it's back to Weasel. <laughs> That's too expected. You guys are the reigning champions of, of guest stars, I think, because you've been on four separate episodes before this. You were on really? two, two Murder of Roger Ackroyd episodes, Murder at the Vicarage, and our Seinfeld bonus episode. So That's we're right. the most loved? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> doubt. Well, I'm not allowed to play favorites. <laughs> oh, no, come on now. <laughs> you've, definitely got, you've definitely got quantity on your side. I'll take it. It always beats better than quality. <laughs> Charlotte plays favorites, but the real danger of, of doing that is that everybody who listens to this show has probably been on it. So you alienate your fan base by, by favoriting <laughs> guests that are on it. I'm okay with that. I'm just going to be your favorite. All right. <laughs> we just want the numbers on our side. Love me. <laughs> That's good. Well, thanks for coming back. This should be a hoot and a half, and hopefully you don't have bad memories attached to it after this one, like you do last time. <laughs> this week i can actually say this week now because we do release episodes on a weekly basis now you've been so on I, fire i've been really worried that there, like that there was something was going to happen like you were you were scheduled to like be the first human on mars or something and and that's why you've been putting out the podcast so regularly if they choose josh to be the first human on mars he's going to be up there and they're going to be like what do you see josh and he'll be like it's me merwin <laughs> They've scheduled me for the first uh, brain transplant from a sheep. So <laughs> I'm figuring I should get into a regular posting schedule before, before he gets hooves. Just in case I get hooves and I can't press the buttons on my phone. <laughs> so, yeah, I used to say this week all the time. And we would post like, you know, once at the beginning of the month and then at the end of three months later. And that was hard for our audience. But now that we post every week, we have a much bigger fan base we have a lot more uh listeners and a lot more action on our instagram page so it's good it's good and the, is this our golden years like these the are golden, our golden, golden years. age of peaking. Yeah. <clears throat> it's never going to get any better than this at this exact moment it'll always be downhill for oh good. good especially when i have the hooves <laughs> <laughs> when i have hooves <laughs> It'll, I will behoove you to do it for me, but you won't because you don't know how. No, nope. we're we're glad to be here at the top before your slow decline into obscurity. <laughs> Thank you. You, you can, yeah, you just definitely start to distance yourself from this point forward. I think was the the moral of that story. Right. And we've already jumped the shark, so I don't know what we're gonna do next. Like we can jump Jaws 3D at this point because we've already jumped the shark. We've jumped the shark from Finding Nemo. Uh, Bruce. Bruce. The Australian mm. guy? The Australian yeah. The Australian guy. <laughs> Fish your friends, not food. Exactly. So this week, we read Death on the Nile by Agatha Christie. A uh, pretty famous one. A movie that has not come out yet that we keep waiting for. It hopefully will come out before uh, I have hooves. Uh, we'll see. That's a tough yeah. schedule. Keeps, keeps getting it's delayed. hard to use a movie theater kiosk with hooves yeah my schedule the movie's <laughs> premiere date keeps getting uh delayed and also my uh surgery keeps getting delayed so we'll see which one hopefully it'll even each other out maybe it'll be the same day so lauren and aaron had you read this book before and this was the, or was this the first time uh we had read it uh previously um and it's it's uh, one that we've we've really enjoyed, so we're we're glad to be on the podcast for this one. Yay! That's great. So, since you've been on here, have you been reading you more, Christy? Because I thought Lauren that you had gone through every bookstore in the tri-state area and taken all. Because <laughs> I can't find any Agatha Christie books anymore. I figured you said you took all of them from the whole. Lauren bought them all up. 
So if you didn't matter if I already had one, the book. I just kept she, buying them. Because <laughs> you have to have a copy for her, a copy for me, and then a backup copy. Because, you know, I will spill tea and all good. Kind of soda in all of mine. I don't want place. your notes in my book. No. <laughs> you can't share that kind of thing. No. 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 So you've been reading a lot in between episodes with us? No, actually, we, no. we haven't. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're just picking it's up. funny because, you know, now that we have restrictions and we're under quarantine, we've been reading less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. I, I feel like I have less time. Everyone says, oh, I've got so much more time yeah. now. I feel like I actually have less time now than I did before. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that's possible, but... Uh, no, but same. we did read this book, so we'll be able to make uh, some comments on it. We we became very outdoorsy and went hiking a lot. I think and then you. when the hiking stopped, when winter hit, we instead of working two days a week, we started working four days a week. Yeah. So we have Lauren jobs used again to now. more than two days a week. So. <laughs> Woohoo! Jobs. <laughs> well, now that you hike, we're gonna have to let you go. <laughs> but that's just kind of not what we're all about here. Uh, thank you i think it's a pretty nice again like definitely the zenith like the the top of the mountain that all all five of us right now all have a job right (laughs) yeah this this exact moment is definitely golden age (laughs) wait hold on i just got a text from my boss oh scratch that john's got two jobs (laughs) yeah thank you thank you Okay, so... So, yeah. Josh, you read the book. Lauren and Aaron read the book. I read the book. <laughs> this is the first... Has this the first time that you've read one of the books that we've discussed on the podcast? Oh, cute. Real cute. <laughs> is, it, is this the second time you've read this book? Because it's the second time for me. I think this is probably the third time I've read this book. Oh, overachiever. Oh. <laughs> Zach has watched the movie, so he's going to have a full yes. share of the conversation as well. I'm very but it was a long time ago, right? So, like, I, I don't know if he's going to really retain his. It his was at least feeling. 24 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the the bridge of time between starting this episode and us watching the movie was just enough for him to go to the bathroom. So, probably a lot's happened in between then. I, I completely forgot all of the information was stored in my bladder. <laughs> he didn't wash his hands. <laughs> he came out with toilet paper on his shoe. So, clearly, it's lost. It's lost to the apps. I think we are definitely treating this book with the respect it deserves. <laughs> all right. So, let's start. Zach, just give us the basic premise of Death on the Nile. Just the basic tagline that you would see on the back on the so like more than a sentence it could be pretty short okay sure um love triangle meets a boat meets a gun (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's, that's pretty good i'll buy that yeah (laughs) meets a boat (laughs) okay but you could like give us like that paragraph that you wrote that set up the because I know he took extensive notes. I took two pages of notes. Yeah, and I won't wow, yeah, yes. and it's frozen, so <laughs> so you only get one of them. Um, so you've got Simon, Jackie, and Lynette. That's the love triangle, baby. Simon and Jackie, lovebirds. They love each other. And Jackie and Lynette, best friends. What could go wrong? Uh-oh. Simon and, Simon and Lynette get together. Yeah. Sad. So they're <laughs> on their honeymoon because we don't even get to see it happen. It's just time's passed. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jackie rolling up on their honeymoon like awkward. And then everyone's all weird about it. <laughs> um Simon gets shot in the leg. Lynette gets shot in the head, and it's it's just a, it's just crazy time. Perfect. That's exactly what I would have put on the back of the book. <laughs> it would have ended exactly like that too. It's just kind of what a great, wonderful fun. Wow! You you really gave it that um, celebrity Big Brother feel. Yeah, that's what I was going for. Honestly. So what you're saying is it's just a, another. It's a typical cruise. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Another day in the life of Hercules <laughs> It was pretty much an episode of The Love Boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Lynette's rich. Jackie is poor. Her and Simon are engaged. 
Jackie gets this idea. I'm going to introduce Simon to Lynette and Lynette's going to give him a job as her land agent. Uh, And we, yeah, like Zach says, we don't exactly see it, not even in the book really, but you know, they have a moment, they lock eyes. Next thing you know, they're on the honeymoon that Jackie was planning in Egypt and Jackie is following them around everywhere to spite them. Lynette asks Poirot to intervene. And how did you say that happened in the movie? I said, so Lynette asks Mr. Poirot to tell her to go away. But he just smokes and says, no, I'm on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He just smokes. And so he tells her kind of like, you stole her man. Like, you have everything. You're a rich girl. She has nothing. But Poirot still tries to reason with Jackie and say like, you know, this is a dark path. You're not going to be able to come back from this. And so, yeah, that is the basic setup of the book. So initial thoughts. Why don't our guests start? Um, it's whenever I first read this, I thought, oh, this, the, the love triangle, it's, a, it's an overused setup. Um, but it, I, I really liked how it carried through through the story. And I, I think more so even than the story was the, the, the characters yeah. that you meet along the way. Uh, I felt this one was a, a, a much more character-driven novel than maybe some other ones. Because uh, some other Christie novels that I've read, you know, the, the whodunits, the was, you know, how did this happen was what drew me in. But this one, I feel like even the minor characters are very fleshed out. Yeah. Uh, you get to know them. And so even though it may be, it's not a unique setup, um, I thought it was really effective. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Even the really, it, it felt like there were no small characters. Even the ones that only appear for a few pages uh, are still really good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that too. The best characters, uh, I think of any of her books, like the best ensemble of it. And maybe like, and then there were none up there with it, but like the most flashy characters, you get to know them. There's so many hateable characters, there's likable characters, and they're all interesting in their own way. Right. And that's the thing, because you mentioned, and then there were none, because that's another big cast of characters and they're all, they are all strong, but you only get to see them in that moment of being on the Island and the, and the stress that they're in the the you know the battleground conditions with with death on the nile you get to have some spend some more time with them know their backgrounds and i think that's what makes it pretty special uh lauren what about you it's definitely a longer book but well worth the read it it feels like that uh, i felt like that the characters were introduced twice because you were introduced them, uh, I guess, when they were all in England. It was like they're just a short little backstory. Yeah. And then it introduces and describes them more once they're all in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it, there's a pretty long setup. Um, I, I know I told Lauren whenever we were reading it, I, I was halfway through this book and there was no death yet. I said, why is yeah. it called Death on the Nile? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely like flashier Hastings personality I have and I need something happening it's just grueling getting through who these people are but it was the best done of the other books that I've read like better than than there were none yeah I didn't think it was grueling but it definitely was longer it was was set up (laughs) yeah she missed uh Hastings as that narrator to I don't need him, but I'm like, I like the Michael Bay movies where there's a big explosion. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking. So Lauren's like, page five, bored. Exactly. (laughs) Nobody's dead yet. But one thing, it is is true. It does take a while for that first one. But then, oh my gosh, people start dropping like flies. Yeah. It escalates quickly. (laughs) I think everybody, I, I mean, I think. I tried to look this up, but there's there was no like consensus on it because there's so many different editions of her book. But I think this is one of her longest mysteries. Just like on my bookshelf with the editions that are next to it, like it is the thickest of yeah. all of them. 
I think it is because it's a big cast of characters and like mm-hmm. Orient Express, I think has a similar, but you don't get to know those people as much. She gives you time with every single character. And I think mm-hmm. that's what makes, and then she decides to kill like, you know, five people. So <laughs> it, it definitely is long, but I, I agree that it does make it, it's for a purpose. It's not mm-hmm. long, just like for giant's bread's sake. It's long for a reason. Yeah, and sometimes when she has these other characters that all have their own little side hustle going on, like the example I always think of is is Cat Among the, the Cat Among the Pigeons. There's a a weird side story going on in that one that's kind of like, oh, okay, that was just there basically as a distraction. But I feel like all of these the subplots in this in Death on the Nile really meant something, and they were all so equally interesting. That to me, she packed so much human drama in an interesting way, not not a boring or obnoxious way. Not celebrity yeah. brother, but but everybody <laughs> had something going on, and yeah. it was all really serious, and it was all really important, but yeah. not all of it related to the plot, right? The central plot, but like I would not want any of those subplots to be cut out. I wouldn't want to lose yeah. any of them. Yeah, there's a cool quote that Poirot says about, um, like, what he learned at a dig from Murder in Mesopotamia about, like, taking away at the dirt to find the the artifact. And that's how this case was, taking away all of the extra stuff. But the extra stuff is all, like, intricately wound in there. It's not just there, like you said. All of it has connections throughout. And, yeah, there's no scene in the book even with like the little romance subplots, they felt just as important. I was like, yeah, I'm rooting for this or this or, or then there was also a lot of humor in it that like didn't feel out of place. There was a lot of funny characters and just Christie's like um, descriptions of people or descriptions of the way they said things or, or like the psychology was really funny mm-hmm. more than I think that we've had up to this point. Josh, you took my one good point away. So I'm Sorry. done. I'm out. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Repeat it. Repeat it. Because you'll, yeah. you'll say it in a different way than he did. Oh, it, it's the reference to um, how Perot credits his experience recounted in Murder of Mesopotamia. Of the book, um, how he, he quoted the expedition. Uh-huh. Same thing. So. Yeah, I know you've got more than that. I, I'll, I'll stop talking. No, I just think it's funny to come up with the same point. <laughs> Did you look up Wikipedia too? <laughs> yeah, I, I I hacked your uh, device and was like, "What would Lauren say?" That's what I want to say first, so I sound smart. Because <laughs> you were voted uh, most astute uh, guest star by our uh, polls that we released. Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we don't we don't actually have polls, but I just did the numbers, and I, I think <laughs> if there was, but if he, if he did. <laughs> You were number one. Number two. So I'm pretty pretty stout. He's pretty stout. Here's his handle. (laughs) So let's talk about the characters then. Uh, Zach, just give us your favorite characters from the whole thing or some that stood out to you. Oh, man. Um, And then we'll have to probably translate who they actually are. (laughs) I just... I think... We should probably save the person that the thing that we were so happy about to be until a little later on. Because yeah. me and Zach had like a had like a <laughs> watching moment. watching a rom com and being like, Yes, yes girl, yes. yes! <laughs> One of my favorite characters of anything ever is in this. Um, I can't wait. <laughs> I thought one of the most confusing character to me was who I wrote down as Tim Allen, but who's actually <laughs> Tim Allerton. <laughs> Whoa, that just, that changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> but he was so confusing to me, because I, I gave him, I gave, because every time a character would appear on screen, Josh would say, uh, that's this person, and he would just give me the name, and I would write down whatever was happening at the moment. So his title is just Mr. Monocle. So why don't you just go through all of their descriptions really quick? Okay, well, I didn't write anything down for Simon Doyle or Jackie, uh, whatever her last name, Dabble, da- Dumbledore. Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> but so there's red dress girl which is lynette uh mr monocle aka tim allen uh louise the maid who josh may or may not use as a body shield <laughs> uh, and your note for uh, t- uh tim allen was 
Oh, has mom kisses her a lot. Cornelia, Mrs. Connecticut, uh, cousin Marie. Well, who I have to get back to her later. Um, but Mrs. Otterborn. Yeah, Mrs. Otterborn, who I said was very thirsty for Poirot, uh, which is true. I wrote it down in the moment, but it turned out I was right because she was kind of yeah. like eyeing him as soon as he came in. Yeah, and then she like walked up and was like, "How you doing?" And she's like, "She won't take no. She has to dance for this." <laughs> uh, then there's Poirot, who I wrote down got moves, dude, because uh, him and Mrs. Otterborn uh, were dancing. Uh, then there's Andrew Pennington, who's just described as ugly, <laughs> which brings me back to um, uh, Cousin Marie, who I wrote down, also ugly, some dame, who cares? <laughs> Marie <Ben Taylor. laughs> Cousin Marie, yeah. Uh, Mr. Ferguson, uh, aka The Beard. Uh, <laughs> Otterborn, who I'm going to describe as emo. Who he said had dead eyes. <laughs> dead she was eyes. very emo. Yeah, she was. Yeah, uh, then Mr. Uh, Besser or Bester? Bessner. Bessner. Uh, who's very German. Who actually <laughs> turns out to be Austrian. 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 <laughs> that was yeah. Josh said he's very German. And then he said, he's from Austria. <laughs> and I said, oh. <laughs> so, You're so culturally uh, sensitive, Zach. <laughs> yeah. So uh, which characters uh, stood out to you guys, uh, Lauren and Aaron, and which ones, like, you know, did you like or hate or yeah i thought cornelia was amazing and it was a very (laughs) (laughs) a very small plot but uh much loved by me and you go girl yeah (laughs) they're so happy lauren look at them we're so in sync today there's like people in your life you put into these characters you're like that reminds me of so and so so I couldn't stand Tim or the emo girl and I was like yeah I know them I know these people they're in my life yeah for me um I don't know why, but for a minor character, I, I really liked uh, Mr. Ferguson. <laughs> the communist? The, the communist, yeah. Same, same Aaron. <laughs> he, he wears a lot of brown, so you yep. wear a lot of tan. <laughs> money, 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 money. <laughs> it was funny, you know, that you know he's from a very wealthy background, but he rejects all of that. So yeah. it turns out in the end, you know, finding that out about him, I thought lent more to, to the character. But uh, for the main characters, Jackie is definitely my favorite character. And I think the reason is, is because I'm married to a Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Of all of the Agatha Christie characters, Lauren is Jackie. (laughs) Wow. No, I don't know how that means, how it's going to turn out for me, but... uh... (laughs) Wow, who's the Lynette here? Yeah. Don't ever leave her. (laughs) The one that looks at Aaron is a Lynette. (laughs) I'm going to kill you! Lauren's like, busting a cat! (laughs) Oh, I won't do the killing. I'll have some minion do it for me. So, uh, who do you like, Charlotte? That's fantastic, Erin. I, I can see the connection because because she felt everything strongly, and that that's yeah. the way Lauren is. La- Lauren is a hundred and ten percent or nothing at all. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I, I same as you. I really, I always like Mr. Ferguson. I don't know why. I think he had uh, he was played by a really good actor in the Suchet version. Yeah. And I think I liked the way that he presented him and the way that he delivered his lines, I liked. But I also, he was kind of obnoxious at first. His conversation with Poirot, I think, was one of those moments that Josh talked about the humor. They have a really funny conversation and Poirot doesn't really give him anything to work with. He's just kind of like, yeah. I'm reading my book about Egypt. Shut up. Yeah, (laughs) It's like a huge drama situation and like it storms off and he's like, people like that huh and bro just gives them a look like shut up yeah <laughs> like you didn't want to be bothered <laughs> same book when they go to the to like the, the uh yeah to the uh the places that they look at what the ruins. yeah to the ruins he's still carrying around that book of egypt and i guess that's his guidebook but like it looks like he's never looking at anything but his little book about but egypt. his book just <laughs> says the night like it's yeah. not i don't think it's about egypt <laughs> it's just <laughs> 
copy of the script. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, and, and I know we'll get to the movies. We'll talk about the movies, but I did not realize until reading this again that Bowers, Miss Bowers, who is in the Peter Ustinov version, and right. Cornelia or Cordelia, I can't remember. Is it a D? Cornelia. 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 Say it right. <laughs> <laughs> You are pretty much on a Cornelia uh, appreciation podcast. I think so. I think that. Um, And she was in the uh, Suchet version, but in the book, they were both there. Yeah. Which was equally important. But the the relationship between Maggie Smith, who played Bowers in the Ustinov version, and, oh my goodness, Betty Davis, right? Yeah, Betty Davis was uh, Marie Van Schuyler, yeah. Yeah, it is just one of the... That's a great movie anyway, and I know we'll talk about it. It's such an awesome... uh, Such an awesome version, but their their relationship was just hysterical, Mm -hmm. and I loved it. So, But yeah, Cornelia is really great, and I'm really, really just don't know what Kenneth Branagh was thinking, but I'm excited to see, if we ever get to see it, Russell Brand playing Dr. Bessner. <laughs> That'll be interesting. <laughs> what is gonna happen? Is it is Bowers or Cornelia in the uh in the the new one? Do you know? I I looked at the cast list again and I don't think either one of them was there. Annette Benning plays a character called like I can't pronounce like Euphemia or something. And I thought, was it just like did he like I, both of them in together? Yeah, that, might, that might be a version of it. Let me look. Because, no, not the 78 version, you fool. <laughs> I'll get it. But again, I think um, Mrs. Otterborn is is a really good character. She's really fun. Through. Yeah, oh, wait. Yes. No, sorry. Dawn French is Mrs. Bowers because Jennifer Saunders is Marie Van Schoyler. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. You're right. <laughs> So they're, you know, they they have chemistry for days because they've been comedy partners since. I, I want that so much, and I keep checking YouTube for clips. I'm like, okay, come on, Ken, you they're could be really stingy. Like a minute and a half clip for us, just because we've been waiting so long, and now we still have to wait. I'm kind of glad that it's Miss Bowers because I'm Maggie Smith did great as, as Miss Bowers, and and it'll be cool to see what uh, Dawn French does. But Cornelia in Death on the Nile, the TV version can't be beat she's done it's done that was cornelia it's never gonna be done again <laughs> don't touch it <laughs> if anyone ever tries i'll kill him <laughs> anyway you'll, you'll pull a jackie <laughs> yeah, right. josh is the jackie to cornelia's son <laughs> <laughs> it's messed up for sure yes i told zach when we were watching it unironically like the nerdiest dorkiest kid that i was i had a crush on cornelia when I watched the David Suchet version, it's the stupidest thing because she's supposed to be, she, you know, she's supposed to be like the dowdy one of the boat with all of these rich ladies, and of, which is like part of the humor of, of the book and like the the good part of Christie's writing here is that more than one guy is like vying for uh, Cornelia on the boat. But um, yeah, when, when I, I watched the movie version a ton of times when I was a kid, like I'd actually watched it before I read the book. Um, so there was one moment, one snapshot that I wanted to talk about a little bit. The conversation that Poirot has with Lynette, wh- the victim, when she asks him to get Jackie off her back. I, I thought that was really well done. And it made me think a lot of the conversation in Orient Express that he has with the victim. Yeah. Um, oh, Ratchet. That Ratchet. he has with Ratchet. Um, and it, it had a lot of differences because... Ratchet was never meant to be a sympathetic character. Whereas, honestly, at least in my opinion, Lynette really is because she hasn't directly done anything. Like, okay, just coming down off of the the terrible appointment with death, Mrs. Boynton roller coaster, and how yeah. awful she was. And like no one really cared that she was <laughs> she was the victim. You know, Lynette, mm, Lynette is much more sympathetic, I think. But I really liked the conversation and even Christy, even to the point, put it in that Poirot crossed his arms. And I don't think in any of the books we've read up until this point, I never remember her using that body language. He always mm. like says it spread out his hands. He always yeah. kind of shrugs and like, like, oh, what can I do? I, I what can I do? But when he was right. talking to Lynette, he crosses his arms kind of self-defensively. And I'm like, oh wow, what a 
what an interesting little thing to put in there. She just was really a great observer. Observer. I cannot talk today. Of human <laughs> nature. I I like what you said about uh, um, Lynette being more of a human humanized victim rather than because uh, yeah, it was uh, not only Mrs. Boynton but also. Hercule Poirot's Christmas was written around the same time and Simeon Lee is also another tyrant victim that everybody hates and doesn't care. But she also, the whole book feels really human. Not only is, because there's this whole conversation that Cornelia has, obviously the uh, America's hero. America's sweetheart. sweetheart. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Who talks about, like, because Ferguson is saying, like, who cares that all those people are dead? And she has this whole bit about, like, all these people had people that loved them. Like, you know, as terrible as the, uh, some of the victims were, they all had somebody. Uh, somebody's going to be sad that they're dead. And the murderers at the end that Poirot feels for one of them, and we'll get into that, everything is a lot more real in this mm-hmm. book. I, uh, yeah. And something I didn't realize either, when you watch the trailer for the the new one, the Ken Brannock version, which I've done like 18 times. Just, That's all we've got. When you need a fix. Yeah, you just got to watch the trailer again. <laughs> Some of the things that he says, like he said, all uh, almost all good tragedy, all love stories are tragedies or all tragedies yeah. are love stories. And then he said something about the case had altered the face of his soul. Yeah. I thought he's just trying to be heavy handed, but those are direct quotes from the book. I was like, yeah. whoa, wow, he really has his finger on the pulse of this one. But it doesn't matter. We're never going to see it. Eventually. It's never going to happen. Eventually. We'll all get there. But, uh, <laughs> and now, am I a terrible person for not having much sympathy for Lynette? I mean, I can tell, I can tell she's written as to be her. a sympathetic character, but I, I didn't like her. And he's I, a I, yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's terrible what happened, but like I felt worse actually for for Jackie than I did mm-hmm. for Lynette. Me too. And maybe it was because there was uh, in the book because you're um, married. Because you're married. I'm married too. <laughs> that, that's going to skew and you know a lot of my feelings towards the characters. And but uh, in the book, it, I didn't see it in the um, in the movie version that we saw. Um, but that scene at the beginning when um, Poirot is at the, was he at the, the diner or the restaurant mm-hmm. and he yeah. sees Jackie and Simon. He's like eating there or something and he mm-hmm. sees them together yeah. in love or knew Jackie was desperately in love with Simon. Yeah. But he did not quite feel the same way back towards her. Yeah, he describes it, I think, as a, it's dangerous to how strong that she feels towards that. And it's set up from, from there, the, the whole scene. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. From, from there, when you saw how much that she loved Simon and then the events that transpired after, I, I felt worse for Jackie, uh, yeah. despite how things turned out. <laughs> yeah, you should be scared. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, yeah, that was a, a good scene, which is another thing that I think from the trailer for the for the 2021 version you can see that they put that back where it belongs as being a really important part because some of those scenes are in there of them being at a nightclub mm-hmm. so yeah but that yeah that totally got cut out in the sushi version yeah i didn't have any time because of how long it is but i think that that's such a cool part of this book too because uh we talked about some of the christy books that have really strong themes uh because some of them are just like uh you said, Aaron, some of them are more about the puzzles rather than the characters. But this book, through the whole thing, has such a strong theme about love and how it can turn into obsession and be dangerous. It's a really strong theme and it really, it, yeah, it's great. <laughs> so you, uh, well, you Florence, guys were- Jackie, does that mean that I'm Simon? Because he seemed pretty, uh, pretty, pretty dumb. dumb. He was a pretty dumb. <laughs> very dumb. I mean, no, even very, Jackie said herself very that- dumb. <laughs> You're you know, something that, that he did messed up their plans. She fix his issues. Yeah, she done. knew that, oh, he, he's such an idiot for doing that. <laughs> you remember that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're Fleetwood. The character that's cut from every movie. Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> every, everyone. Never breaks the chain. Maybe, the, uh, maybe um, Fleetwood was the name of the Cobra in the Ustinov one. It's like... A totally unnecessary thing that they threw in there. Yeah, I don't remember that. 
God, remember that? Poirot's checking his mustache. And there's a there's a cobra like right there, and he oh yeah 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 taps Morse code on David Niven's uh on the wall, and David Niven yeah, hears yeah. it. And now I remember. Yeah, totally unnecessary and yeah. not in the book. Yeah, <laughs> for for a little flash, a little excitement. Yeah, <laughs> it would have helped. It would have helped Lauren uh, stick with the book if they had thrown in a, like snakes on a boat. It was the first half. <laughs> Be great. A boat. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, so, gotta give her something. <laughs> Ooh, does not have enough cobras. So we hinted at the ending, but uh, Lauren and Aaron, or both of you, or one of you, can you guys like talk about what happens in between uh, the Lynette's death and the ending? And we can also talk about the ending too, being called spoilers, because this is a pretty famous one. And I think the ending is pretty important. We get up to the point where you start to see uh, things happen to Lynette. There's uh, an attempt on her life whenever, is that when they were at the ruins? that there was a, a rock pushed down and it, it's all hinting towards Jackie. I was like, oh, not, Jackie did this. Not oh, only yeah, she becoming a, a stalker, <laughs> but now she's attempting to, to murder. All right, it's going to happen. The book's going to end right here. <laughs> but uh, so then, then you get to that and, uh, and eventually there's, uh, is it the scene where they are in... Um, they're hanging out at night, and it's uh, it's Jackie. She goes in. There's Simon, and who's the other two characters that are in there? Cornelia and is it Ferguson in the book? I think is it Ferguson. No, it's in the movie. It's Ferguson and Cornelia. Um, yeah. In the in the book, it's Fanthrop or Fanthorpe or something who gets cut from every movie as well. Yeah. <laughs> the, the solicitor. <laughs> yeah. Like the lawyer lawyer's expendable. <laughs> It's a little too much lawyers on one boat, so they usually cut him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jackie ends up shooting uh, Simon in the leg. Well, supposedly. And spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> so so there, there's that scene. That's the scene that begins um, all of the events that, that take place. And then uh, they find out that the, is it the next morning they find that Lynette has been killed. She's been shot in the head. Right. And so now Poirot's trying to figure out what happened um, be- between that time. There's an investigation. There's a side investigation going on, too, with, is it Colonel Race? Yeah. And the book com- comes onto the ship, and he's trying to find someone. And so they're working together to, to try to solve this mystery and still find the, the person that uh, the colonel's looking for as well. When Jackie was in that moment before she supposedly shot his leg, I was like, this is so weird. Why is she determined to get this other girl? I can't remember who it was, but you remember when she was trying to get that girl to stay with her yeah. and she was yeah. acting crazy and drunk and it was weird. I was like, this is, this is getting so weird. Something's going to happen. But it, it ran across to me, like, peculiar at that moment. Like, why is she getting her to stay? She wanted her to witness what was about to happen. Setting up her alibi because she was with somebody the entire night. So she had an alibi. She couldn't have been the one to, to kill Lynette, even though everything to that point is, is right. kind of pointing to, to her. Was it Cornelia? She was trying to get her to stay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the book is kind of posed, like, uh, when you find Lynette dead, uh, there's the there's a J written with blood on the wall, and so they're like, okay, it's Jackie, and then they realize, oh, Jackie was had the nurse staying with her all night. She couldn't have done it. Somebody's framing her. Oh, maybe it was the husband. Oh, he was shot in the leg. He couldn't have done it either. So like the the suspects were obvious are both ruled out immediately, and then they have this big cast that we've all talked about that slowly all have these uh, little secrets that they have that either tie them to. Lynette or have some sort of guilt in some way and then the maid witnessed it she gets killed and uh there's a third death which I told Zach is like the best uh death in an Agatha Christie book for how shocking it is in the moment she's standing there talking to Fargo and Race and she gets shot through the window as she's talking to them. I screamed. I was reading it. And I was like, here's the Michael Bay moment. I screamed. <laughs> Just before she reveals what she knows. I mean, it's like <laughs> that second and then she's dead. <laughs> it's very gimmicky, but also yeah. it's, it's the third death and it kind of works. 
I and because she's such a flashy character that I always get so excited for that moment because Christy didn't usually do the and there was a gun in the back. But yeah, like, yeah, no I, one I, saw the, the the pistol through the curtains. Yeah, right. It works in this book because that's not what she keeps doing. I feel like I like that moment. It's like a moment of suspense. And I like in the movie that uh, the uh, TV version, because that's played by Francis Delator, who, again, not as big a name as Angela Lansbury, but who also did a really good job as Mrs. Audubon, who's in a bunch of British TV. She was also in a, a couple Mar- She's also in some Marvels, The Moving Finger. And it's funny in that scene, she's trying to tell them who killed the maid and she can't remember the maid's name and also doesn't want to tell them that she saw it because she was going to get alcohol from one of the stewards. So she's trying to tell them the story and leave out uh, crucial details and delays it so much that she ends up getting shot before she can reveal it. I think it's perfect. I love it. I love it so much. It's a little little silly of a setup, but I like it. (laughs) By that point on the boat, like, I'm I'm okay with suspend uh, like having a little bit of disbelief. Like at this point, she's earned it in the story. So I'm like, have your fun, have a little bit of fun, go for it. You got my permission. <laughs> we enjoyed it. <laughs> so you guys uh, talked about the ending. Uh, like you hinted at, uh, it, it's all a ruse, and Jackie and Simon have done it together. He wasn't really shot. They gave each other alibis. He went over and, and shot her. And then Jackie did the other murders while he was laid up. So did that surprise you or had you figured it out uh, over the course of the book? Um, for me, uh, this is, I think, the only Christie book where I knew who the murder was going to end up being just because there was such strong foreshadowing at the beginning. Yeah. Um, oh. So I, I knew Jackie was the mastermind. Um, I couldn't, I didn't figure out, you know, how it all came about. I actually thought that how it was done was a little overly complicated. I mean, it was very complex. Yeah. Um, You had to kind of throw reason out the window a little bit and just go with the story of how it was done. But I didn't mind that because I enjoyed the the characters and how it was all brought out so much. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I, I I did figure out Jackie's part, um, but a lot of the other things, uh, I and especially how the, the minor characters, what their secrets were, I had no idea, but I usually don't. I think yeah. at some point or another, after reading through it, I suspected every single person. <laughs> yeah, same. Just, yeah. This is messy with my head. Exactly. <laughs> every, every, about every five minutes, I'd be like, no, they're the one who did it. And John would just look at me and be like, and he stopped, he's like, do you have a pause? Yeah. yeah, he paused it and he goes, all right, before we go any further, before this is about to get summed up, who do you think did it? And I had no idea a good guess. whatsoever. And I said, completely based off the mustache, I think it's, uh, what was his name? The monocle. Tim, Tim Allen. Allen? Tim, yeah, yeah, Tim Allen. And then, and then like two minutes <laughs> later in the movie, bro was like, Sit down, Tim Allen. And I was like, yo, I did it. And then I was gone. I was like, dang it. And then I was like, crap, it's Cornelia. Crap, it's the doc. Crap, it's this person. And I was not right any of the times. I, I was, when I first, uh, I, I may have watched the movie or read it first because it was back when I was a dumb boy and didn't read the books first. But I, I thought it was Cornelia uh, or whoever stayed with the, with Jackie in the book, Mrs. Bowers or Cornelia, whichever one I saw, because I thought it was Christie's trick of, you thought they had an alibi, but she could have left while uh, Jackie was sleeping. But of course I was tricked. And I watched this, uh, I watched the TV version with Tabby and I, I paused it too. And I was like, okay, give me your guess. Because like Aaron says, there's so much foreshadowing that when you do know the ending, you almost feel like everybody watching it has to know. Like it's so obvious, but it's really not only if you know it. Cause I was like, who do you think? And she's like, I thought it was Simon, but it can't be. So it has to be Blah. And that's what Christy does so good. Like at one point, you're probably going to think, yeah, it's Simon or Jackie, but she'll make you rule it out. And then when you come back, it's even more satisfying whether or not you're surprised because you're like, I did think that and then I got tricked or I figured it out. I never even ruled that. (laughs) They were in the movie. (laughs) Simon. Simon who? Simon says. 
How about and you, Sean? Oh. No, go ahead, Lauren. And at some point in the book, um, there's this guy that raced to tell us Poirot he's seeking for a murder among the passengers. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, gosh. Okay, there's this random hitman down there. There's <laughs> a random murderer. So it's going to be every, throw all reason out the window, forget the story. It's, in the end, it's just going to be this random guy killing people. <laughs> like uh, Jack the Ripper or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jackster got loose on that. That'd be cool, Miss Lee. <laughs> I didn't make it into the I didn't make it into the TV version. I don't I don't think it made any use of either because it's a little random. Colonel Race was just kind of like in the TV version, like heard you were on the boat, so I went on too because we're buds. <laughs> <laughs> now that's something I would like to take a moment to complain about is that I don't think in any of the ones that I've seen, I've never really I like. I really have liked Colonel Race in every book that we've read him in so far. So he was in, <laughs> he was in Cards on the Table. He's been in this one, and he was also in Three Act Tragedy. And brown suit too, right? Oh, maybe I can't remember. I blocked that completely. I'm pretty out sure of my he's mind. in brown suit because I think they they talk about him being hot in that. Because then, I mean, and then you see him like in oh the oh oh and, maybe I oh, can't remember. I honestly Baruch Assault's dad. If you've seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is like the epitome of hot, so that carried over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So what I want to say. <laughs> was that I've never been satisfied with his casting in, in any of the um, movie versions. I have never been really happy. I mean, David Niven's great, but it wasn't not exactly what I would have done. So I just hope one of these days, because I don't think Colonel Race is in uh, Ken Browning's version, because he has uh, his friend from Orient yeah. Express. He, he'll replace I'm pretty sure. Right. So I just hope someday we'll get a good Colonel Race. I kind of like the guy uh, who plays him in the, the Poirot series. He's not really how the book describes him, but he's kind of like an older, smarter Hastings in the series. <laughs> like, I kind of like the, this. I like him better than Hastings because he's kind of like by Jove, but he's a little more tolerable in my, in my mind. Isn't that actually a conversation they have in the book? Because Poirot says something really cryptic at one of those moments where Hastings would have been like, oh, yeah. he's losing his mind. And and uh, Race just goes, um, huh, I don't know where you're going with this, but I'm sure you'll let me know. And yeah. Poirot was like, you know, that's so nice. Thank <laughs> you. Because Hastings always asks me these dumb questions. Just accept it. Their friendship is so it, he respects Poirot a lot more yeah. than ha Hastings does in his mind when he's like, Poirot, you old twerp. You don't know what you're talking about. Colonel Race is much more like, you know, this guy's a genius. I'm just going to kind of roll with it and have fun. I like that there's one part where he's like, why do you keep letting people off for crimes? And when are you going to tell me who did it? I know you've known for like a million years. What are you going to tell me? Because they're <laughs> like, they're just like hanging out. They're like friends. It's yeah. And they, they have some cool chemistry in the movie too, like funny body language stuff that they do. Uh, I, I like them together a lot. Yeah, he's a good character. <laughs>